Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hey, Mary. Hey, Jillian. So um, I got a funny story for you. Okay. So you know that I talked to you and I talked to our listeners about this amazing donut place mm-hmm. in Trenton. Yes. Called Wanamaker's. Yes. And you posted a picture a little bit ago of me with this, you know, on in the Instagram stories <laughs> of me with my coconut cream donut. Yeah. Well, I just celebrated a birthday a little bit ago. Yes. And we went to the Dutch bakery in Whitby. Yes. Um, and I found this salted caramel cupcake mm. that rivals that donut. <gasps> really? Well, we might have to have a side-by-side taste testing. Uh, they're so different, but I want to tell you how grown up I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you remember that that day I wolfed that donut down, even though my brain kept saying to me, Slow down. Just, just cut it in half, save half for later. But I couldn't. Right. Well, this cupcake... The first thing I did was cut it in half. Oh, so much. And I wrapped it up so nice and so it stayed fresh. And I had half one day and half the next day. Wow. Totally looked forward to it. I the only thing I could think about for the whole day was <laughs> when I was gonna dive into that second half the next day. That's the challenge though. Is but that, it was so good for me. I had something to you anticipate. Know you know what? That's actually a really great analogy for life. Like if we have these things to look forward to, what if we slice it into chunks? Yeah. So that we have something to look forward to. In fact, I had read something years ago about how what makes life so enjoyable is often the anticipation. That's right. And then the experience. Well, that's And why, then the memories. When you look forward to a vacation, I mean, yeah. you're dreaming, yeah. you're planning, you're packing, you yeah. know. Oh, so I, listeners, I am growing up. Now I need to go and get that cupcake. <laughs> no. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how good it was. Yeah. Anyway, we have an Irish word for it. It was coined in my family because my sister couldn't say anticipation. Mm-hmm. So it was called Tisha Pishan. <laughs> <laughs> and there was too much Tisha Pishan. Oh, I so love that. My sister coined the phrase Tisha Pishan. You are free to use it. Okay. It means. That there's just great anticipation for the thing. The joy of it. Yeah. Yes. Love so it. bring some Tisha Pishan into your life, peeps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today, Tisha Pishan awaits. We are going to dive into part two of our conversation about the shadow self versus the true, sh- true shelf. The true shelf. Because <laughs> you're not Tisha Pishing with your shishes. <laughs> I, uh, I shouldn't go all Irish on myself. I know, right? So um, this is going to be part two of this conversation, which we started in last week's episode. And I'm really looking forward to this, but I have to preface it. Yes, please do. So you know, listeners, that we uh, love the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. We use a particular Enneagram diagnostic called the IEQ-9, Mm -hmm. comes out of South Africa, Mm -hmm. and we are both certified in this as practitioners. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason we love the IEQ-9 is because it is so deep. Oh, so rich. The wealth of knowledge, the wealth of research that's gone in behind it. A lot of research. The continuing research. Yeah. And I always say to my clients, it's like you're getting a textbook yes. on yourself. Yes. Yes. It's, it's expensive. Yeah. But 
it is not your $12 Happy Meal. Mm-hmm. So when we encourage people to use the Enneagram, and we use this one-on-one with clients, mm-hmm. we use with this with corporations, mm-hmm. we use this with team coaching with yeah. executives, mm-hmm. and we use this in leadership programs. Right. So it is the creme de la creme. Yeah. Yeah. And so like with that in mind, us talking about the Enneagram today in a 30-minute podcast, we're not going to get to that level of richness. But if you're at all intrigued, uh, follow up with us personally. Yes. Uh, because, and really, we're not trying to sell it to you. No. We just believe so strongly in it. I mean, it's been such an important tool in my life from my personal development. I still go back to that report Mine too. and read it over and there's icks and there's ouchies, but that's the thing that helps me to grow. Right. So, um, you know, one of the things that gets my goat, I've said that twice now in two episodes, <laughs> must be my new phrase. One of the things that gets my goat is when I see on Instagram and social media, if you're an Enneagram 8, then you must like the big Turk bar. <laughs> like, what? Somebody actually posted that? Something like that. Like the chocolate type you would like uh-huh. for the different Enneagrams. no. People, stop it. Right. Let's not dumb it down to this base mm-hmm. that means nothing. Right. Remember, it's a tool for growth and development, which means it's going to be very rich. It's not meant to use it to label people no. and say, well, it's just because you're an eight and that's why you're doing that way and I can dismiss it. Right. Uh, it's actually to help us have compassion for each other. And ourselves. And ourselves. Exactly. And that was the second thing I was going to say is a deeper understanding so that we have compassion for ourselves, but also we're not going to use it as an excuse. Well, no. I'm just a two, so that's why I did that. So like, suck it up. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's my little angst for today. So we're going to dive into this part two. Um, you remember last week we talked about that pipe? Yeah. And that's such a great visual. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, uh, Mary, take it away. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about the sort of the thoughts behind the Enneagram Uh, Not so much specifically, but the different numbers and what they all mean, because there's lots of resources for you to look at there. And plus, it would take us a long time. So the Enneagram has been developed uh, by many, many people over the years. It's not owned by any one particular person. And there's been some really um, fantastic thought leaders that have been involved. There are psychologists, psychiatrists, and they're kind of rooting it in some science around the way people are wired. And so... uh, some of the backdrop to help you understand the Enneagram is that, um, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint of the basic needs that we have as human beings, and we all have them. Yes, we do. And uh, based on our temperament and our early childhood experiences, we're going to gravitate towards protecting some of those basic needs more than others. And out of that can form our type. Okay. All right. So these um, what we're going to call coping strategies, they come out as a way of helping us manage the life. And human beings are the ones that have the longest period of dependency on other human beings. And uh, <laughs> getting longer. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <And> is that- <laughs> Uh, if you have a young adult living in your home, you know what I mean here, people. It's so true. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So because of that, like we we do have these ability, uh, these defense mechanisms to help us to um, thrive and to survive. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so I'm so distracted. 
Um, it helps us from being overwhelmed or harmed by psychological or emotional threats. Okay, so these patterns of coping affects our thinking, our feeling, and our behaving, and it starts to become like almost this organizing structure for how we think about life. It becomes like I often will show people like sunglasses or glasses, and it's like it's how we see the world. Right. It's not necessarily the world. It's how we see the world. Yeah. So this is what this organizing principle is for That's us. That's a really good way to put it. Thank you for that visual. Yeah. yeah. I love the visuals. And I'm know. sure our listeners do too. Mm-hmm. So when you think about our basic needs and we have them all, uh, the Enneagram is uh, organized around that. So uh, f- uh, our need for safety and security. And that is when it's threatened, we're going to experience fear. Right. So with the Enneagram, there's three centers of attention, uh, sorry, three centers of intelligence our mind, our body, and our heart. Can right. that make sense? Yeah. That's what a lot of people talk about all the time. So with each of the center, they have specific instincts that are sort of, or needs that are linked to that. And so with safety and security, that's more of a head center type of um, intelligence. And when threatened, it leads to fear. So people who are five, six, and seven, which is the head centered numbers, are more likely to experience fear when they're threatened. Right. And that's where their coping strategies come up to defend themselves against that. Of course. And then another need, basic need that we have is for esteem and affection. And that's for us heart-centered people. Yep. And uh, when threatened, we're going to experience shame. So that's numbers two, three, and four. Yep. And then there's our need for power and autonomy. And those are the body, or it's also called gut-centered people, which is eight, nine, one. And when threatened, it leads to experiencing anger. So you can see the connection between our needs, our responses that come out of like anger or fear or shame, and then what defense mechanisms we use to kind of cope with those feelings because they're not comfortable feelings to have. That's right. So I'm just going to stop you there because... Um, I'm in the body center yeah. as an eight. Yeah. So is my husband. Yes. He's a nine. Yeah. So just to give our listeners a little bit of insight, just because we're both in the body center, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean when we feel anger, we respond the same way. Exactly. And that's where the diagnostic piece comes in really well. Right. right. So when I'm angry, mm-hmm. it comes out. Yes. Right? Yes. In my behavior and actions. Yeah. When my husband's angry, it goes in. Yes, it does. And it can look like um, he's stewing. It can look like he's he just not bothered by it. Yeah. He's withdrawing. Yeah. It, and it can actually come out in passive aggressive ways. Right. right? So... Just because you're in the body center, the mind center, the heart center, it can look different the way it's expressed. Right. And then there's this whole other thing about subtypes, which we are not going to go into, but super, super rich. That ends up being 27 types. Uh, that goes back to what you started off saying, Jillian, that if people are genuinely interested in diving deep, it's worth one-on-one coaching because Absolutely. there's just so many layers that huge insight, like ding, ding, ding happens big time when people uh, go there. So we're not going to talk about that. Um, so a healthy integration from the Enneagram standpoint is that we're actually connecting with all three centers of our intelligence, our body, our mind, and our heart. Which is fantastic because we are whole people. We are whole people. So only depending on one center right. to express our needs, to express our longings, to express our desires right. is kind of like 
cutting off the other part of the body from exactly, us. Exactly, exactly. So for me, being heart-centered, um, I have, just because of my temperament, I have pretty ready access to the uh, body center. And also my wing happens to be one, which is in the uh, body center. But I don't have any direct access to the head center. Which makes it... <laughs> sorry, people. That... Are you confused at all? Are you confused? (laughs) Oh, okay. Because you're probably one of the most, now you see, Uh you're one of the most intelligent people I've met. Yes, thank you. No, so, but I would think you were really heady. Like my impression would be, if I didn't know a lot about the stuff, was that you'd be in the thought center a lot. Right. Well, I I live life out of my head and body center much more. And so I react more intuitively, instinctively, and emotionally. Right. Now, because of my education... And because I am verbal, I'm able to put it into words that sounds very rational. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, she's making us all out. Okay. <laughs> now, having said that, part of it, in all honesty, part of the, what I'm talking about integration is the ability to access all of that. So I know developmentally, I've had to learn how to lean into more and more of my head center. And the, the, the gift, one of the gifts of my husband is that he is a head centered type. So even though I have resisted yes. his influence over the years, because he's wrong. Um, I've actually learned so much from him. He's helped me to become more balanced and to think about things more rationally. Uh, So in healthy integration, isn't that I just love that I'm a head center and that's all I do. It's actually developing in all three centers. So the good news is that we have these three centers Mm -hmm. and we have access to all the centers. Right. And so if we're in the thought center, mm-hmm. um, let's say we're a five. Right. And we are the ones that do the deep dive into the research. We know so much about everything. Right. And we don't feel that we have that feeling. Exactly. We can access it. That's right. And we can learn to access that's it. Right. And that's part of our growth. Well, what's been really helpful for me is being such good friends with you as a body center type is you've taught me so much about how to access that part, that expressive part of when my gut's telling me something's off or wrong. Right. To do something about it, yeah. as opposed to ignoring it, which my two-ness tends to do that. So with integration, not only are we having access to these three centers of intelligence, but we're doing it in a healthy way. So a body intelligence that's healthy is grounded and alive. And you're aware of what your body's telling you, and you're paying attention, and you're actually taking care of it, and you're responding in a healthy way. Uh, a heart intelligence is connected, which is a receptive, open, and authentic heart. And a mind intelligence is quiet, spacious, and trusting mind. So I was having this fantastic mm. conversation with a young woman I coach. Love her to pieces. Shout out. She'll know who I'm talking about. She's a seven on the Enneagram. And she was talking about how she has just been learning about the Enneagram. She's gone through the certification. Her mind's just filled to brimming with all these ideas, but to the point where it's causing her great anxiety. And I said, remember, integration and health is a quiet mind. And she was like, oh. You're right. Yes. And to breathe, and she's a Christ follower, so it's being able to trust that God has all that knowledge. And he is giving her this insight, but she doesn't have to figure it all out on her own. Right, right. That spacious, trusting mind. And so I love that. Um, So that's one way of looking at integration. And another thing that uh, the Enneagram talks about is something called the levels of integration. Right. And when I send people's reports to them, I'll say to them, okay, 
Most people score low in integration. Some people score moderate. And you basically have to be Jesus to score high. (laughs) Because otherwise it's a big ouchie. Like, what the heck? I scored low? Yes. What's wrong with me? So so the levels of integration refers to the degree of self-mastery that they've achieved in their personal development. And it's uh, the thing to keep in mind is that it's a shifting thing. It's not like I've arrived once I've hit a certain level and I just stay there. Again, it's those spectrums. It's those spectrums, exactly. And that we waver back and constantly forth. Constantly because of circumstances or I'm stressed out or there's particular whatever going on in my life. And it's just being aware and tracking with that. So it's not a fixed thing. And most people will move between the highs and the lows. Right. So going back to what we previous said where... You sort of excuse your behavior or the way you show up in the world by going, well, I'm just a two or I'm right. just an eight. So that's right. just the way I'm wired. So suck it up. That's a very low level of integration. That's right. Because you're actually using your Enneagram number and type to excuse you. Right. Right. So the Enneagram has these languages that describe when we're, uh, so low in integration is when we're kind of trapped by our type right. with a lot of the behavior that's being driven by this this reactivity uh, and not uh, necessarily able to access uh, the other types as well. Um, so that's sort of the, the low level of integration. And uh, I've lost my train of thought. Well, uh, what did well, I say before I started to say that? I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but just because people see that on their chart when they do the report. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that that's where you are and that's where you stay. Right. It's just pointing out to you that you've probably been living in that center for so long Mm -hmm. that you kind of closed off those other centers. Yes. But you still have access to them. Right. Thank you, Jillian. She stepped in because the thought is back. (laughs) So the Enneagram has these languages that they use. So each type has a what they call a passion, which is basically the thing that uh, we do in a reactive mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, my passion is pride. And so when I feel hurt, I'll go into this pride mode, which is I'll try to earn people's favor or I'll try to, you know, get your approval. So I, I feel better. And there's different right. ways of doing it. So there's something called the passion. There's also something called fixation. And the fixation is kind of like our mind not at rest. And it's the behaviors that we use. So for a two, my fixation is flattery. So mm-hmm. if I'm triggered in feeling rejected, uh, pride will kick in. And then I may use flattery as a way to make sure that my sense of self-esteem is back to. So that's just as an example. And it's so unconscious most of the time. Oh my gosh. So if I'm regularly living out of and reacting out of my passion and my fixation, then that's a low level integration and that's living out of my shadow self. Right. So those are shadow self um, strategies. All right. Now the Enneagram has other language that is about the true self and it's called the holy idea and the virtue. Right. And every type has a holy idea and a virtue. And we're not going to go into details about that. Uh, But as an example with the two, my virtue is humility. Right. And it tends to be the opposite of whatever your passion is. And my holy idea is holy will, holy freedom. And I I haven't seen teachings on this that clearly, so I'm still wrestling through it. But my understanding is the holy idea and the virtue is sort of like the culmination of our true self. So how you were originally designed before the world got a hold of you and started giving you all the junk. That's right. And so the way 
God has uniquely designed you to show up in the world. Exactly. And then the pipe got clogged along the way. Exactly. And you show up as this kind of um, false self. Right. And I also love it when when it's called the holy idea, although when they coined the term, they weren't talking about God. They were talking about the God in us. And that's where you get kind of the airy-fairy like stuff that's not true. But I like to see it as the holy idea as that aspect of God that we have access to. Right. So um, God's holy will for me means that I can trust him Mm -hmm. and trust his will for my life. I don't have to like manipulate my way through life. And for me, it would be that I can believe in the sovereignty of God. That's right. That he's got control and that's not my... I don't have to have everything in control because he's got it. That's right. Um, Your holy idea is holy truth. And you trust that you don't have to fight for the truth all the time, that God's doing it for you. Right. Which is so hard for an age because we're (laughs) going to pick up the sword for whatever is going on. Oh, yeah. Justice. Just give us a day. Yeah. We'll we'll get the sword. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, with low levels of integration, like I said, you're going to rely more on your passion and your fixation. If you're at a moderate level of integration, then you might have uh, be less reactive, but you're still going to be driven to some degree by it. You're going to have a bit more access to your wings, which yep. for me would be a one and a three. There's a bit more flexibility to the different numbers. And then a high level of integration, <laughs> this is Letting go of your core fears. Yikes. Yikes. Rooney. Rooney. And it's moving beyond the limitations of your core Enneagram. What did they say? What did that doctor say? Pry it out of my cold dead hands. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us have got an iron grip on that stuff, man. Core fear, man. It's core for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, people who are at high levels of integration, uh, I would describe them as very flexible and fluid, and they're very self-aware, and they're tracking with how they're doing and responding real time, and they're adjusting according to what is the healthiest response to a given situation, and also who their true self is. They're not trying to pretend to be somebody else. It's not performative. It just flows in a very natural way. So back to our pipe thing. Yep. If I'm connected to God and uh, healthy integration for me is cleaning out that pipe so that the, the, my, I'm a really shiny pipe. Yeah. And I'm reflecting God's beautiful glory in my true self. And his Holy Spirit goes, flows through me and it ministers to the world. And by the way, like, if you're not showing up in the world and ministering to people, then there is a, a, a breakdown in your connection because um, private intimacy must lead to public intimacy. Like we are created to show up in this world, to show Jesus to this world. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's a high level of integration. So that's really heady stuff, people. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of conceptual stuff. Yeah. And we get that because mm-hmm. we live in this world, mm-hmm. and um, it is quite mind blowing when we're sitting one on one with the client, and we're walking them through the report, mm-hmm. and light bulbs are going on and off. Yeah, and they're really understanding this. Yeah, and they're also it. Quite frankly, it lifts a lot of the guilt and the shame off them because they go, "Oh, that's why." Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm showing up like that in team meetings, or that's why I'm showing up with that, you know, in that crappy relationship I'm in, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is helpful. And we're not doing this to push coaching. No. We're just saying that when you have a good diagnostic tool like this, 
and you have insight. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. Insight leads to wisdom, leads to transformation. Well, I was just going to suggest that that be our coaching and therapeutic tip together, unless you have anything to add, is that people spend a bit of time, start at the insight stage. Yes. And uh, if you if you know your number, identify that. Uh, if you have other tools that you use, it doesn't have to be Enneagram-based, but mm-hmm. just an awareness, not just of your strengths and weaknesses, but what your triggers are, what causes you to be reactive, yeah. um, how you show up in a way that sometimes afterwards you go and go, oh, why did I do that? So just spend some time with that inside place. Right. And then if you already have great insight and you're kind of ready to kind of say, how am I applying it? Then you can think about the wisdom phase, which is, you know, what can you tangibly do mm-hmm. to apply to your life? So for me, for example, I do a daily examine. And I just kind of think about what my day was like, uh, typically the day before, because I do it in the morning. Right. And where I sort of reacted and kind of what's going on inside of myself. I pay attention to my body. I pay attention to my thoughts. I pay attention to my emotions. Mm -hmm. I invite Jesus into all of that. And then the other thing I do is accountability. And I'm regularly letting people in my life, like yourself and my husband, uh, know what's going on so that you can kind of call me on my stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of where I want to be kind of encouraging our, our listeners to do. And then the transformation part is just about the, the, the daily habit of it. And I would like to say for people who are wanting to kind of explore that is to celebrate, like look back uh, at where you were a year ago. Mm-hmm. five years ago and celebrate it. Not to be prideful about it, but just to see that that investment that you've made in the courage that you've shown to face tough stuff about yourself has led to some beautiful fruit. Yes, absolutely. So the life coaching tip that I would suggest is uh, you, you last week you made a picture of your pipe. Yes. And you identified some of that junk that gets in there. I would ask you to look at that junk mm-hmm. and identify what the big one is. Yes. Ooh. Right. So if it's anger, yeah. Um, if it's fear, mm-hmm. um, if it's passive aggression mm-hmm. or numbing out, whatever it is, yeah. Um, pick that one, and then start to go. What triggers this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on when I get angry? Mm-hmm. What's happened before it? Right. And what were the feelings that caused me mm. to get that angry? Mm-hmm. Because when you start to understand that, then you can start to actually address it. Right. Even without the Enneagram help. Yeah. So I'll give you a prime example Mm -hmm. from my own life. So I would go, why am I getting so stirred up about stuff? Like, why am am I feeling angry about this? Right. And, um, you know, for me, on a personal level, it goes to feeling manipulated. Mm -hmm. And so remember when we did the 90-second thing? Yeah. Where, you know, you 90-second, you give yourself 90 seconds. So now I can go... I'm feeling really stirred up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take 90 seconds Mm -hmm. to just go from what I feel Mm -hmm. to my thinking brain. Yes. So I'm going from my gut center. Yes. I'm turning into my head center. Yes. And I'm accessing that part of me. Right. On the Enneagram, that other center, Mm -hmm. but I'm also paying attention to how I'm feeling. Yes. Right. So the it, vulnerable feelings. Yes. So I'm feeling vulnerable because I'm feeling a lack of control that's mm-hmm. someone's trying to manipulate yes. me. And so I can quickly do that now. Mm-hmm. 
Before I couldn't do that at all. Right. And I know it. And I've, I've watched you do that in action. So you're not reacting angrily, but you're actually speaking from a place of vulnerability, which is when you said that to me, it really hurt. Right. And this is why. Yep. And that has a very, very different response to, from the listener than, will you stop? And you know, not that yeah. you do that because you're so mature. <laughs> well, I'm on the spectrum. Let's okay, that okay. I'm on that spectrum of mental health between insight and transformation. Okay. And I kind of go swishy, swashy, depending on the day. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Now, after all of that, if your head is spinning, that's okay. Um, there's so much, you know, learning that you can continue to have. Uh, you know, even what Jillian's saying about the pipe, go back and listen to some of our earlier podcasts around defense mechanisms. There's just so much good stuff out yeah. there. And in the meanwhile, maybe go and celebrate, get one of those wonderful cupcakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Village Bake Shop. Okay. Whitby. That's right. Downtown Whitby. That's right. Or if you're near like, Trenton, Wana Bakers. That's right. We'll have a whole list of pastry places <laughs> Yes. <laughs> by, by next season. That's right. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life Podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.